Good morning. How y'all been? Hey, we're more awake than 930. Way to go. Uh, I'm Arthur. I'm one of the pastors here. So glad that you're here today. If, if you're new here, really glad that you're here. I'm also new here. So uh, we got something in common already. How about that? Uh, if you would, I want to ask you, would you pray with me for just a minute? I want to pray for the, the storm victims. A uh, lot of people woke up this morning and uh, a little devastated because the storm has moved in, uh, inland a little bit. Uh, lots of people without electricity, lots of people who've lost their homes uh, and are, are just scared. And so uh, can we take just a minute as a church? Will you pray with me? And let's, let's pray for these folks. Lord God, we love you. We know that you're in charge and that uh, you're the creator of all things. And Lord, I'm, I'm really grateful that uh, as, I don't know, maybe millions of people have prayed that that storm would not be as severe, that it has not been as severe as uh, at one point we thought it was going to be. And I believe that's because of your mercy and kindness And Lord, I pray uh, for people this morning who are discouraged and fearful, who are feeling hopeless. Um, Lord, your word says that you're the God of all comfort. So I pray that you would comfort them and that you're the God of peace. I pray you'd speak peace into their lives. Lord, you're the giver of courage. You lift our heads. Uh, Your word says for us to cast our cares upon you and you will sustain us. You will never let the righteous be shaken. And so in all these things, in all these ways, Lord, I I pray for people this morning who uh, have um, no idea what the future holds for them. And I pray that you would minister to them as only you can. Uh, And uh, Lord, we trust you and we thank you that you're so faithful to us. And I pray for people in this room this morning who have a different kind of storm going on in their life. I pray that you would bring peace to their lives today too. In the strong name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. So again, thanks for being here. If you're watching online, really glad that you're watching online with us today. Uh, You know, if you've got a prayer request or something we can do for you online, drop us a note at hello at southcrest.tv. We would love to do that uh, and pray for you, help you any way we can. And if you're watching on the Grange campus this morning, glad you guys are with us as well. If you've got a Bible with you, uh, I'm going to be in Ezekiel chapter 40. And so we're going to get right to it this morning, uh, if that's okay. We had a good weekend. Uh, Almost everybody won except Auburn. Let me tell you, I was eating somewhere last night. I'm not going to tell you where. Uh, you could go find, you could find that out probably. But uh, the people there hate Auburn. I mean, they really hated Auburn. I felt it was awkward. So uh, anyway, we're in Ezekiel chapter 40. And although I am very Southern and I have this world-class accent, uh, I can really talk fast. So y'all ready? Let's go. Uh, Ezekiel chapter 40, verse 1, it says, In the 25th year of our exile, at the beginning of the year, on the 10th day of the month, in the 14th year after the city was struck down on that very day, the hand of the Lord was upon me and brought me to the city. Did you get that? Did you get it right here? I mean, did you feel it changing you inside? Me neither. Let's try it again. All right, it says, In the 25th year of our exile, at the beginning of the year, on the 10th day of the month, in the 14th year. That's a lot of numbers, isn't it? Uh, after the sea was struck down that very day, the hand of the Lord was upon me and he brought me to the city. 
Did you get it that time? Me neither. You know, but that's okay. See, sometimes you read something in the Bible and you're not quite sure what it means, that one verse, and you say, don't give up. You keep going. So let, let's keep going. Let's read a little bit further. Uh, let's see what we can find out here a little bit. Now, last week we did some a passage from uh, a prophetic book, so we're doing that again this week. Next week we're not. Next week we're going to talk from Luke. Uh, but, you know, this thing about prophetic literature, if you remember, it always has three applications. There's always application for the people in that day when it was written. There's an application for their future and for our future. And there's a third application that always happens. And it's something for us in this present day where we live as well. So there's always at least three things going on in prophetic literature. So there's something going on here. Now, Ezekiel is a prophet. If Just a little background. The children of Israel had been taken captive. Why have they been taken captive? Because they got beat down on. I mean, they were conquered by the Babylonians. And so a lot of them were taken captive back to Babylon. Where's Babylon? Babylon is modern-day Iraq, if you want sort of a geographic reference. And so they'd been taken back to Iraq. They were held there against their will. Uh, they basically were enslaved by another country. And so God raised up Ezekiel as a prophet to minister to the children of Israel that were in captivity in Babylon. So Ezekiel, although he's, it's a message for Jewish people, this is for Jewish people who were in Babylon. That's what's going on here, modern-day Iraq. So that's what was happening. And he says he has a vision. Now, here's the thing. We don't know what happened with this vision. We don't know whether, whether he was asleep and he had a dream. We don't know whether he was walking down the road and God just said, here's what's happening. Because it will also say that God brought him there. So we don't know whether God, you know, physically sort of picked up Ezekiel and planted him on the outskirts of Jerusalem so he could see what was going on because Jerusalem had been destroyed. And so here was the idea was that he's going to see this vision of the city that's been restored and rebuilt. So that's what he's going to see here. And it says, in visions of God, verse 2, he brought me to the land of Israel and set me down on a very high mountain on which was a structure like a city to the south. And he says, I'm not sure what this is at first, but it turns out it's going to be Jerusalem. And he, he goes on, he says, when he brought me there, behold, well, you see when you see behold, look, 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 important. Behold, there was a man whose appearance was like bronze with a linen cord and a measure reed in his hand, and he was standing in the gateway. So there's this bronze guy there. In this vision, there's a bronze guy. Now, what's up with this? Is he, is he like made out of bronze? Is he, you know, has he got a really good tan? Is he kind of oily looking? Uh, is he, uh, if you're an old VeggieTale fan, was it like Larry the Cucumber said, he was real shiny. <laughs> if you remember that, you're old. O-L-D, old. Uh, so anyway, there's this bronze guy there. And it turns out he's got, a, he's got a reed in his hand and some linen cord, and he's going to measure things. And it turns out this guy loves to measure stuff. And he starts taking Ezekiel around the city of Jerusalem and measuring things. I mean, one thing after another, after another, after another. I mean, I, I, you know, so sort of picture this guy. Um, I don't know. Let's call him Bubba Earl. Can we call him that? I'm not adding to scripture, relax, it's okay, <laughs> okay? But let, let's call him Bubba Earl, and let's, let's imagine he's got a big Home Depot apron on, uh, you know, and he's gotten, you know, kind of out of control with it, so Bubba Earl's really big on the front of his apron. He's got like 47 pins on his apron because he's all Home Depot all the time. That guy, you know, the guy's got way too much time. 
So it, anyway, so, you know, big measuring tape on his hip, all right? So think about that. That's, that's this guy. He's wanting to go around. He's wanting to measure things. And, and then he goes on. He says, he says, and the man said to me, son of man, look with your eyes and hear with your ears and set your heart upon all that I will show you. For you were brought here in order that I might show it to you. Declare all that you see to the house of Israel. He says, look, 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 look. I'm going to show you it's really important. You've got to get a hold of this. He says, I want you to hear it. I want you to see it. I want you to put it in your heart. And so I think that's God's word for us today is that God, I think, is in the next little bit. I think he's going to show us something. We're going to hear something, and we can take it to heart. I think that's the word for us today. So then they start measuring stuff, and they start walking around. They start measuring doorways and gates and streets and houses, and they're walking around Jerusalem. And you, for the next seven chapters, that's what happens. And so we're not going to do all seven chapters. We're going to kind of skip to the end. So Ezekiel chapter 47, verse 1 uh, you can turn there if you want to, or it's on the screens, follow along. And it says, in verse 1, it says, Then he brought me back to the door of the temple. So the temple's in the center of the city. And he brings him to the temple. And so Bubba Earl says, Ezekiel, come on, let's see this. And they get there to the temple. And it says, Behold, look, 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 behold, water was issuing from below the threshold of the temple toward the east, for the temple faced east. The water was flowing down from below the south end of the threshold of the temple, south of the altar. Then he brought me out by way of the north gate and led me around the outside to the outer gate that faces toward the east. And behold, the water was trickling out on the south side. This is going on eastward with a measuring line in his hand. The man measured a thousand cubits. That's about 1,500 feet. And then he led me through the water, and it was ankle deep. So let's, let's stop and talk about that just for a minute, because if you're like me, you're a little directionally challenged, and north and south gates and east and all that kind of stuff gets a little confusing. So let's, ex- let's explain this here for just a minute. Measuring man, Bubba Earl and Ezekiel, they show up at the temple. They go into the Holy of Holies, and there in the, on the Holy of Holies, there's the altar right there in the middle. And there is water drip, 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 dripping right there. And this water is dripping down, and it's beginning to puddle up on the floor. And they go, well, that's weird. And so they take a couple steps, and they keep looking. And they go, well, you know, the, the water starts over there, but it's kind of puddling up. And over here, it's sort of starting to move. And, and, and they follow it out, and they, they come outside the door of the temple, and they keep walking. And, like, you know, it was just something over there, and now it's something huge. Uh, as a matter of fact, it's ankle deep. Uh, what's up with this? I mean, that's a lot. And so he says, uh, he says, again, he measured a thousand and led me through the water and it was knee deep. It says, again, he measured a thousand and he led me through the water and it was waist deep. Again, he measured a thousand and it was a river that I could not pass through for the water had risen. It was deep enough to swim in a river that could not be passed through. And he said, to me, son of man, have you seen this? Okay, so here's what's going on. They follow this drip, 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 and it's rolling out the door, and they fall its ankle deep, and then they go about 1,500 feet, 1,000 cubits. That's about 1,500 feet. And like, it was ankle deep, and now it's like, it's knee deep. And they go another 1,500 feet, and, and now it's, it's waist deep. You know, and waist deep water. I mean, remember, this is in a desert culture. I mean, this is, this is weird, right? 
Ezekiel never said anything like this. And he goes another 1,500 feet, and now it's become a river. He said, it's a river. It's so big you can't even get across it. You can't, you, you can't get through it. You can't walk through it. It's way over your head. And he says, son of man, have you seen this? And his eagle like, uh, yeah. <laughs> do, you, do you see the river? He says, d- d- yeah, I've never, I, yeah, I see it. Absolutely. Have you seen the river? It's a great question. We'll come back to it in just a minute. Right? So it says this water, it's, it's flowing eastward, right? And, and they keep following it and going and going and going. Now, now, how many people ever went to Sunday school when you were little? It's okay. Safe place. I know, I did too, sorry. Don't know what happened, right? But if you remember, you went to Sunday school, um, you know, do, apparently they weren't allowed to buy posters and put them on the wall, so they put pictures of Bible maps on the wall. You remember that? You walk in there and say, what are those there for? We don't know. It just came with the material. Uh, what's it for? We don't know. You have maps in your Bible, most likely. Do you know that you have maps in your back of your Bible? You know what they're for? Me neither. Uh, you know, I always kind of thought they couldn't put any pictures in the Bible, so they just gave us a map. I don't, I don't know what they were for. But, uh, but maybe you're a geographic Bible land whiz. And so if you keep going east of Jerusalem, keep going east and east and east, you go through the desert, which is, uh, is called, sometimes called the Negev and sometimes called the Arabah, but the desert region of Israel. And then you keep going east, 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 east. And then eventually you land up in a body of water for 12 bonus points. Who knows what the name of the body of water would be? I heard it. I heard it. Yes, Dead Sea. It ends up in the Dead Sea. Nothing lives in the Dead Sea. It's 11 times saltier than any other body of water on the earth. Nothing lives in it. It's like swimming in jello gone bad. It's just not a good place. Uh, There's no no animals. There's nothing, no fish, absolutely nothing within this body of water, right? So let's keep reading. He says, then he led me back to the bank of the river. As I went back, I saw on the bank of the river very many trees on the one side and on the other. Now, this is weird because this is, this is in the desert, and apparently this river is doing something here, right? And he said to me, this water flows toward the eastern region and goes down into the Arabah and enters the sea, talking about the Dead Sea. And when the water flows into the sea, the water will become fresh. So this water is going to bring life to the desert region. There are going to be trees along the side of this river in the middle of the desert. And there is going to be the Dead Sea where nothing lives. It is going to bring life to the Dead Sea. And it says, when the water flows into the sea, the water will become fresh. And wherever the river goes, every living creature that swarms will live, and there will be very many fish. For this water goes there, that the waters of the sea may become fresh. And it says, so everything will live where the river goes. So he has this vision of this river that, that starts in the temple. And he says, this river will bring life to where there's death, where there's no hope. This river will bring life. You say, Arthur, cool story, bro. What now? Well, let's find out. If you've got a Bible, turn over to John chapter 7, verse 37. Now, a lot of times when you're trying to figure out what's going on in the Bible and you're trying to interpret what's going on in the Bible, here's the very best thing to do. Use the Bible to interpret the Bible. Use the Bible to interpret the Bible. So that's what we're going to do this morning. All right? So John chapter 7, uh, in verse 37, we're going to find out what all this has to do. We're going to tie all this together. Now, 
Jewish people have several festivals that they celebrate each year. They have three that they continue to celebrate every year. One of them is called the Feast of Tabernacles, which is also sometimes referred to as the Feast of Booths, B-O-O-T-H-S. So just for simplicity's sake, I'm going to refer to it as the Feast of Tabernacles for a minute because the Feast of Booths it, uh, makes me want to go have no lip control and spray the whole front row. And nobody wants that, do they? All right. So Feast of Tabernacles. So the idea in the Feast of Tabernacles is that they were supposed to remember the time that they spent in the desert. So the Jewish people, and by the way, the Feast of Tabernacles starts on September 23rd this year. It runs for a week. And so the Jewish people, we celebrate in that. And so in an Orthodox Jewish home, what they will do is they'll have a small uh, tent-like structure that they will put up as just a reminder that there was a time that they lived in the desert and God delivered them. Now, the other... Uh, if you go back in time a little bit before people had air conditioning and were afraid to go outside, people would actually live in a tent for a week, the Jewish people to remind themselves of what God had delivered them from. So that's what the Feast of Tabernacles is. Now, here's the thing. Ezekiel has this vision of this water, this river that flows. And so what he sees in that vision the Jewish people realize that he's talking about the Messiah, that the Messiah is coming. And so on the last day of the feast, the priest would take a giant urn of water. He would go inside the temple and he would take this giant urn of water and he would pour it out on the altar and it would come off the altar across the floor and it would run out and all the people uh, Jewish people would be gathered in Jerusalem because this was one of their high holy feasts. And so when they see the water come out underneath the door of the temple, they would all begin to shout and celebrate and go, yeah, because our God is coming and there's going to be life where there was no life. There's going to be hope where there was no hope. There, the Messiah is coming. And so that's why they still celebrate the, the Feast of Tabernacles is because they're thinking that the, the Messiah is going to come someday. Uh, that's why the Jewish people still do that. Now, here's the deal. Jesus in John chapter 7 is at the Feast of Tabernacles. He's at the temple. And so as he's there in the temple, it's the last day of the feast. And everybody's kind of gathered there to celebrate. And they're like, this is going to be great. This is going to be amazing. I can't, you know, this is what we've been waiting for, the climax. And so they're going to pour this water out and, and it's going to come out. And then everybody's gathered around the outside of the temple. And some people, you know, got front row seats. So they see the water hit coming out and they start yelling and screaming and celebrating. And then, you know, so it kind of moves like back in a wave, I think, you know, that the front people in the front seat, go, here it is. Ah, and, and the whole city celebrates in that moment that God is sending a Messiah, that the, that the river will bring life. And everywhere the river flows, there will be life. And God is sending that to us. That's powerful imagery in a desert culture, right? So here's what happens. John chapter 7, verse 37. So on the last day of the feast, talking about the Feast of Tabernacles, on the last day, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out. He says, hey! Now, I don't, know, I don't really know if he said that or not, but I like to think that Jesus was Southern. And so he would probably say, hey, uh, because, you know, I don't know if you realize this or not, a lot of people get worked up about what we, language we speak in heaven, Greek or Hebrew, we speak neither one, we speak Southern uh, in heaven. And some of you are weirded out because you don't speak Southern. So let me teach you how to do that real quickly. Um, it's not very complicated. We take two syllable words and make them one syllable and one syllable word and make them two words. 
two, one syllable word and make them two syllables, right? Not that complicated. So we can all do that. Uh, but anyway, he says, hey, or whatever. He says, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Now, those are participles. So it's, if anyone keeps getting thirsty, ongoing action. If anyone keeps getting thirsty, let him come to me and drink. And, it's, so, and drinking and keep drinking. Because listen, he will, no matter how thirsty you get, he will never run out. Whatever you need, he will always be able to help you. He will always be able to take care of you. Never runs out. And he says, whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. And so in that moment, he's sitting there going, look, you know what happened when Ezekiel saw that vision of this river? I'm the river. I'm who you've been waiting for. I'm the Messiah. I'm the one that you've been praying for and believing that God was going to send. That is who I am. And, you know, and we're going, whoa. Never, remember, really? Yes. And so he ties all this together. And he says, I'm who you've been longing for. I'm the one that you have been waiting for. I'm the one you've been praying for. I'm the Messiah. Wherever I go, where there is death, I will bring life. Powerful imagery that that he ties all this together and says, look, this is what you have been hoping for, that this feast that you celebrate every year, it's I'm who you've been waiting for. So so Arthur, awesome. So what does that have to do with anything? Well, let's talk about it couple applications here this morning. See, I, I, see, I see a couple of struggles that we have as Christ followers in regards to seeing that Jesus says, keep coming to me, keep drinking from me, no matter how thirsty you get. I, a couple of things. See, the, the first thing I, I think we struggle with is that we, we say that Jesus is the river and that he's come along and he's changed your life and he's washed you and he's helped you and he's encouraged you and he's loved you and he's taking care of you, uh, that he saved you, he delivered you. I mean, you, you know all these things. But one of the struggles I see that we have is we talk about him like he's this big. We're all about him on Sunday mornings and maybe a couple other times during the week. But even then, sometimes we refer to him as being small because we like to keep him under control and that he's doing what we want him to do when we want him to do it. See, yeah, I, I think sometimes what we do is, is we, we look at him like, like he's uh, a, a kiddie pool, right? We go, hey, look at Jesus. You should see him. He's right here, right? And I... I and I've got all these, these, these great things that, 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 I, that I do with him. And, and he's, he, but when I'm done with him, you know, I, I'll, I'll move away. But right now I'm going to be around him. So I'm going to be here a little bit. So now I'm going to get away from him a little bit. And, and, and we, get, we have all these little things that, that we, you know, that we want to hang on to. And say, you know what, Jesus, you're so good. I can see you clearly now. Uh, this is so good. I, and, but I tell you what, see, if you saw me walking through Target like this this afternoon, <laughs> you would call 911. <laughs> There's something wrong with him. Right? And if I said, hey, come play in my pool. Come on. Come, come hang out. Come hang out over here with Jesus. Honey, 
you need to call the police. <laughs> There's a man in a kiddie pool over there. So make him stop, right? But see, I, I, I think that's the way we, we look at Jesus and we say, hey, here, everybody needs one of these, right? But you're not going to put that on and walk around with it, are you? Because people look at you, oh, you're crazy. And, and people look at us as Christ followers sometimes and they think, what are you doing? I, I thought he changed your life and you're acting like he's a little something tiny. Somebody you can control and manipulate. And so he's not a kiddie pool at all. So, see, if I invite you to come swim in that, you're like, nah, not doing that. I say, come swim in the river where there's life. Yeah. Why did we stop referring to him as being something incredible and huge and amazing? Why did we stop that? Good question, though. And, and he says, this question, he says, Son of man, have you seen this? Have you seen the river? Have you seen it? Have you seen the river? Right? And so here's, here's the other struggle I think we have, not as, a, as a, a body of believers, maybe, but as individuals. See, here's the thing. Um, I don't know, maybe you came to know Christ as your Savior maybe two or three months ago. And so, so you're like ankle deep in the river. You're ankle deep in your relationship with Jesus. Awesome. Way to go. That's exactly where you should be. Maybe you came to know Christ, I don't know, four or five, maybe six months ago, and, and you're knee deep in the river. And, and I'm saying, awesome. Way to go. You're beginning to trust him and beginning to take some further steps with him. And you're beginning to say, like, yeah, he will really do what he says he's going to do. And, and maybe, maybe even, I don't know, maybe you came to know Christ about a year ago and, and, and you are really beginning to trust him and you're out in waist deep water with him, right? You're really beginning to grow in your relationship with him. When you get in that waist deep water and you begin to, oh, this, this river has some current to it. To it and it's moving me and it's swaying me and it's got power in it. And you because realize that golly, God can do so much more than I ever imagined. And you're beginning to say, Yes, and you're exactly where you ought to be a, a year after you come to know Christ, that you're really beginning to trust Him and lean into Him and, and keeping to take these steps, right? And then I don't know, maybe you came to know Christ maybe 18 months ago. You know, and so now you are out in the middle of this river and it's way over your head. And you have become, begun to realize that he is so big and so strong and so powerful and so loving and compassionate and kind and gracious and merciful that he is the lifter of your head, that he is your protector, that there's nothing you can do to make him love you any more, nothing you can do to make him love you any less. You get all that. And, the, and you read the, the scripture and go, wow, that really makes a difference in my life. And you don't feel like you have to do it. You feel like you get to do it. And that's where you are. You know, 18 months after coming to that relationship with Christ, and you're exactly where you ought to be. And I think, that is awesome. That's incredible. You know, you've been taking these steps from ankle deep to knee deep to waist deep to, wow, I'm out in the middle of this river. And wherever Jesus takes me, I'm going. That current is moving me, and I'm following him, and I'm going to go with him. And so you're, you're considering things that you never would have considered 18 months ago. 
you're beginning to trust him more deeply. And he says, listen, here's a ministry opportunity for here. Here's a place for you to serve here. Here's someone for you to love over here. Here's someone for you to encourage over here. And just one thing after another, after another, you're, you're trusting him and you're praying. You say, God, this is incredible. And you love it. And you realize out in the middle of this river, it is nothing like being out in the middle of this river. And you would, there's nothing you would rather do, no place you would rather be than in the middle of this river with Jesus. Right? The problem is that there are a bunch of people, most likely, and I don't know, maybe you've known the Lord, I don't know, two or three years, five years, 10 years, 20, 25 years. I was talking to someone a few minutes ago that told me he didn't been a Christ follower for 60 years. The problem is you've known Christ for a while, but you're still in ankle deep water. You're going to heaven. You just don't trust him. You just don't trust him. You want to stay in control. And so you sit there and you go, well, I'm miserable sometimes. You know why you're miserable sometimes? Because I don't have very much joy in my life. You know why? Because you were not made to live in ankle-deep water. You were made to be in the middle of this river, walking with him, living the life he created you to live. You get frustrated sometimes, like, wait, what's going on? I don't know whether I can trust God or not. You can trust him. See, you need to, to move into that deeper water. Because what does it say in verse 9? It says, everywhere the river flows, there's life. He's bringing life. What if, what if we started living our lives to such an extent that the river was taking us where the river wanted to take us. If we started as individuals living that kind of life in front of other people, there would never be a thought of a kiddie pool. Be like, oh, I want what you have. Nobody over age three wants to play in that. if we did that you know the thing that's what breaks my heart is that I've seen people they walk into ankle deep water and knee deep water and waist deep water and they get that point where God's beginning to move them a little bit and they go nah can't do this so they move from waist deep back to knee deep sometimes back to ankle deep Sometimes they just say, I'm just going to watch the river. It's pretty. It's real peaceful. I'm not going to get in it at all. I'm just going to watch it, look at it. But I'm, I'll even listen to it, but I'm not getting in it. You're missing out. I, I, don't, want to, I don't want to guilt you or shame you at all. I just want to say, you're missing out on what God created you to do and who he created you to be. 
Why not get out there in the middle where you're trusting him and he's moving you and he's working your life more ways than you ever imagined. So Arthur, what do I need to do to get there? You don't need me to tell you that. You already know. I've been praying this week that the Holy Spirit would, in this moment, speak to you and say, hey, come on out, come on out. And that you'd be willing to be obedient and that I would be willing to be obedient to get where he wants me to be. So in just a moment when we pray, I want you to open up your heart to the Lord and say, God, where do you want me to go? How can I get from ankle deep to knee deep, from knee deep to waist deep, from waist deep into the middle of the river? What is it? What, what is it that's holding you back? You don't need a bunch of floaties. You just need to get out in the middle of the river. That's all you need to do. And that joy that you've been looking for, the hope that you've been missing, the fears that have overrun you, will all change quicker than you ever thought.